Hello and welcome to the I Forgotten the Date edition of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is in fact the 29th of November. The 29th of November, Friday the 29th of November, thank you for that. And I, I was ably rescued by <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Ward from The National, who's here with me today. Hello everyone. Uh, to remind me about dates. It's my job. Um, and so I've got someone to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Because Callum's still busy. Yes, he, he is. is with his new newspaper, his new toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so he's now, as you might hear, he's now the editor of the Evening Times as well as the National. Mm-hmm. So, aye, so what's been going on this week? Well, it's been a bit of a debate special, hasn't it? It has, yeah, yeah. There was the Question Time Leaders debate last Friday evening, mm-hmm. which I watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon was the clear winner. I think that's safe to say. And then Jeremy Corbyn came second, I would say. Mm. Uh, he was really barracked at the beginning. He was, a, yeah, you could tell he was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, but I mean, but it then turned out that one of the people that was asking him really hard questions at the beginning was actually a Conservative Party activist. <laughs> question ties up to its usual uh, tricks yeah, that happens quite and we discovered that there are actually more Scottish people who support independence in Sheffield than there were in, <laughs> than there were in Dundee it was remarkable wasn't it it was quite interesting I couldn't believe my eyes could not believe my eyes <laughs> or my ears even. Were, them too yeah. it's just Wait, what you know it's always a thing when you're watching questions you're like, oh I just wish they'd ask this question it's such an obvious question you know, a follow for, and then they were actually doing it. They were actually asking the questions yeah. what I wanted to hear. But and fantastic. Well, apparently they had um, made it representative of uh, parties in the Commons, ah. I believe. Ah. So I would assume that they had bust in some SNP supporters for the occasion, mm. which hey, explained why there was so many pro-independent <laughs> Scottish people in Sheffield. <laughs> that's, that makes a lot more sense. So I, but I was very surprised because I thought, what the hell? I mean, what the hell are people in Sheffield going to ask mm. Nicola Sturgeon? I mean, but we did get the usual guff, you know, uh, you know the 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 the, the British nationalist bingo. The <laughs> bingo, we really need to. Pay. Oh yeah, deficit tech. Yeah. You know, Euro tech. <laughs> Not being allowed in the EU tech. You know, we got all that. It's just they don't read any kind of. You know, they just don't read the arguments against this stuff, do they? They just, they're comfortable in But they don't see the arguments against it. Well, they don't see them either. That's the thing. I mean, even in Scotland, you're hard pressed Mm. to find them because, you know, as you well know, (laughs) you know, it's not exactly, the the Scottish press is not exactly a hotbed of (laughs) pro-independent sentiment. (laughs) No, it's not, is it? Which is why we've got the National. Which is why we've got the National. But she was Nicholas was really quite assured. I think she impressed a lot of people in yeah, England as did. well. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah um, she did. Meanwhile, some of the others. Oh God, Joe Swinson. Mm. Oh yeah, she. I mean, Boris Johnson was just—he never answered a single question. He just interrupted everybody, even more than I interrupt Callum. <laughs> uh, and he didn't answer a single question. He just fn off nod mm. his way through the debate. He's just. I'd, See, you don't remember this because you're just a wee boy, mm-hmm. you know, but I remember the 1980s and I remember Thatcher and I hated the Tories with a passion, you know, visceral hatred. I hate this a lot even more, mm-hmm. really. I just, I, I, the, the amount of contempt and loathing that I have for this b- bunch of Conservatives is equal or greater to the contempt that I had for Margaret Thatcher. And is it, is it the damage they're doing? Yeah, uh, but it's also the just the way that they just lie, mm-hmm. you know. Without the, there's no see during the Thatcher era, 
some of them actually resigned on points of honour. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, oh, God, what was his name now? Tom King, who was the Defence Secretary uh, in the early years of the Thatcher government, resigned over the Falklands War because Argentina had invaded the Falklands and he resigned because of that. Can you, I can't imagine any of this bunch resigning. You know, it's just... It's just alien to them that the, the concept of taking responsibility. They lie, and they just lie shamelessly, and they're doing things that even Thatcher wouldn't have tried to get away with, you know. And they're, they're just—they're going to do significant and serious damage to the United Kingdom. And, and just related to that, and related to the debates, we've got a pick of the next one to move on to. But Andrew Neil obviously interviews with the candidates, Aye. well, uh, not candidates, leaders of the parties. Jeremy Corbyn did it, Nicholas Sturgeon did it, Joe Swinson and Nigel Farage are down to it. Is Nigel Farage down to do it? Joe Swinson certainly is down to do it. I don't, she, she hasn't done it yet. No, she's not done it yet. No. But there's dates for them. Someone isn't doing it, though. No, he's not. He's not. See, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of Andrew Neil's interviewing style. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Andrew Neil, <laughs> to be honest. He's the man who single-handedly destroyed the Scotsman by turning it into a conservative right-wing unionist rag. He's also very fond of tweeting his own praise a lot. Yes, I, I don't like the guy. Mm. Um, and I don't... Uh, he's supposedly incisive. and he's, he's, he's just an aggressive bully. And what he does is... And that's his style, and we, we all applaud when it's, he does it to a politician that we don't like, mm. you know. Uh, obviously he did it again to Nicholas Sturgeon he did it to Jeremy Corbyn and he just constantly tries to wrong foot them you know he's not in the business of getting answers he's in the business of getting them to trip up that's what he does you know and if you know that you know that's what you expect from him but the BBC I think have really the kindest thing you can say is that they were naive that's very kind. That is very, very <laughs> kind. You know, that's very kind. Because they assured uh, Nicola Sturgeon and Jeremy Corbyn that all the leaders had agreed to do the debates. And now it transpires that, you know, Boris Johnson hadn't agreed to a firm date. And now that Jeremy Corbyn and Nicola Sturgeon have been ritually humiliated by Andrew Neil doing his usual thing. Boris Johnson is all of a sudden washing his hair that night. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it's, again, it's just contempt, and it's just they just think they can get away with anything, and they so, are getting yeah, away with but anything. I mean, Boris Johnson is the former editor of The Spectator. Mm-hmm. Andrew Neil is the chairman of The Spectator. Boris Johnson's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, his wife, is the deputy editor of The, the Spectator. Mm. You know, and if they can organise an interview, there's something seriously wrong with what passes for accountability in British politics. Mm. You know, and I think really this was set up. I'm not saying it was set up by Andrew Neil and, and the BBC. I think it was set up by Conservative Party and saying, right, okay, we'll say, ah, yeah, yeah, we'll do this interview. Get the others to do it first, and then we say, no, no, we're not going to do it because they figure that the damage to Boris Johnson of being accused of cowardice will be less than the damage that would have been caused if he'd actually done that interview. And do you think that's the case? Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so. I think so. The Tories are, are are venal, they're vile, they're manipulative, they're deceitful, they're devious, but they're not stupid. Mm. You know? 
Well, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, just going back, as well, what you're saying about Andrew Neil's interview style, I think it's quite telling that the kind of one clip that you just were circulating, circulating after the interview was a kind of 50-second question and not Nicholas Sturgeon's answer. Yeah. You know, the fact that that's what they're doing, just, just a question, I mean, that says it all, I think. It's not about what can she say. It was about the NHS, about the NHS in Scotland versus the NHS in England. It was just... Let me list off some of this. Yeah, but like that's that's his style. Mm. I mean, he, he, issue, yeah. he doesn't. He's not in the business of getting answers. He's in the business of wrong thing. That's mm. what he does, you know. And we would all have laughed and applauded when he did it to, to Boris Johnson. But it looks like he's not going to get the chance. I thought somebody put on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. That what they should do is because he, apparently he's agreed to do the Andrew Neil show. All right. Boris Johnson, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which doesn't say a lot for Andrew Neil. It doesn't really. Uh, sorry for for Andrew Marr, the Andrew Marr show. I, I mean, the thing with Andrew Neil as well is it's a bit embarrassing if he's managed to get him in that show. Not that yeah, long, but, but. so but it's but it's like it doesn't you know what, what does that say about Andrew <laughs> Marr's uh, insight and you know investigative skills uh-huh. and you know. Just a, we'll let him, oh, so he was having his pick of interview. Okay, yeah. So, so he's going to do the Andrew Marshall yeah. apparently on Sunday. I think what they should do is substitute Andrew Neil um, at the very last minute. I think that's what I would that's do. That, uh-huh. That's what I would do if I was a BBC person. Not that they're listening, but yeah, uh-huh. that's what I would do. That would be good. Or what they should have done is had uh, Andrew Neil should have done the program anyway with an empty chair. Mm-hmm. And instead of Boris Johnson, he would have put all the questions that he would have put to Boris Johnson and then had a team of fact checkers mm-hmm. saying this is what actually no, this is what this is what would really happen. And then I think talking about empty cheering, another example well, of yeah, last week. Yet another example. <laughs> yeah. Um Channel Four had a debate on climate change and uh it's climate change, wasn't it? And, it was climate change. Yeah, uh-huh. and Boris Johnson and um, Nigel Farage didn't bother showing up. No, so they placed ice sculptures. Yep, yep, big melting blocks of ice. <laughs> and Boris sent his dad. I know. And Michael Gove. Michael Gove and his dad. I mean, what? <laughs> to try and was it just all oh, this guy <laughs> shares some genes with me, so he'll do. <laughs> I've got half of his DNA. <laughs> like take him. Yeah, so they tried to argue their way into the debate, and apparently Jeremy Corbyn said no. Um, and now Jeremy Corbyn, uh, uh, well, it wasn't just Jeremy Corbyn. It was, I mean, I think they were all quite. But right. the, the rumour was that he was the one that said no. I think. Oh right, yeah. was it? Was, right. I think they were quite right. Channel Four were quite right. Absolutely, it's a leaders' debate. The clues in the name, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can't send your leader, don't bother turning up. And, and now they want to kind of review Channel Four's broadcasting license after the election. Yeah, yeah but now and now Boris Johnson has the cheek to complain that Channel 4 wouldn't represent him in a debate that he refused to show up for. Unbelievable. I mean, what? It's unbelievable. I mean, we're just... It's beyond so far through, We're just so far through the looking glass now with British politics. And, then, and I think all, uh, what I always try and do in this situation is because it's Boris Johnson and he's done so much outrageous stuff, I just try to imagine Nicholas Sturgeon doing something the same. Oh, God. Should be crucified. In the reaction, exactly. I mean, I think that's important to do as well because you don't want Boris to normalise this kind of... But he has normalised normalised him, you're right, you're right. I mean, there was somebody who was saying to me the other day, they were talking to somebody down in England, they said, oh yeah, but Boris Johnson, they said, and this person said that they were voting for the Tories, they said, oh, Boris Johnson's a liar, but I trust him. I'm like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Eh? Just back up, back up, and think about what you just said there. So, yeah... But of course, neither you nor I saw the climate change debate last night because we were we were 
dirty stop outs. We were elsewhere. We were celebrating the Nationals' fifth birthday. It's the fifth birthday of the National. Mm-hmm. So did you actually think it would still be here after five years? Well, I suppose it's where I came... I started working, I think, two and a half, three years ago. Right. Um, and I think at that point it really found its footing quite well. Um, and that was when I started really getting a, a feel for the paper. So I was optimistic. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think, I think you know, if I'd been more tuned in when it started five years ago, it, it would have been... I would have been... I think a lot of people thought it was skeptical. going to be a flash in the pan. Mm. I think yeah. a lot of people thought that. Um, there was a pro-independence paper. God, or pro-devolution paper, I think it mm-hmm. may have been back then. Uh, this was like in the 80s, I think. It was the last time somebody tried to launch something like this. And it lasted a few weeks mm-hmm. and then died a death. And I think that was very much the prediction that people were given with the yeah. National that it was going to write the, because it was founded just after the independence referendum and people thought that this was a bubble that was going yes. to burst you know and take the National with it but obviously that's not what happened Can you can you remember what you thought at the time? Or? I was really pleased mm-hmm. and I was like employ me I want to write for you <laughs> <laughs> I kept annoying Richard give me a column Richard give me a column and he finally did he finally so, did yeah, he finally did so, well, actually, I started writing for them in, uh, I think it was the April. Mm-hmm. So, the April after the... So, six months. Six months mm-hmm. after they found it. But it's... it's. I mean, I've never written for a paper before, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm not a journalist. I'm just a gobby shite, <laughs> basically. Um, but... I mean, I mean, Callum and, and Richard have both said, Richard Walker and Callum Baird, you know, Richard's the the, found, the founding editor and Callum's the editor now. Richard's obviously the editor of the National Sunday edition. Uh, and they said it, it's totally unlike any other newspaper they've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Richard's been in the newspaper game for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, he actually, he's never worked on a newspaper before where people actually phone up to thank it for existing, uh-huh, yep, you mm-hmm. know, and that happens with the national. It, uh, and I think that it was this really fortunate come of Calm and, and Richard are both very talented and both um, very like, tuned into the movement. You know, they're so they really understand the yes movement, and I think that's been a huge part of its success because it wouldn't exist without the strength of the yes movement. Well, exactly. it's, it's tied so directly to the strength of the yes movement. Um, I think one of the things I'm most pr- proud of over the five years, even though nothing to do with it, is the SDIY pages. Yes, you know, yeah. just and the and the notice board. Even it's just little things like that. You know, just really getting the message out. I think that's such a useful thing. Yeah, that was a phrase that Martin Hannes stole from me. Did he steal that? Yeah, thing? he stole it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good phrase. Um, and, and as well, I've mentioned like, Roxanne Sarushin as well, our assistant editor, who is just you know like she's been in the newspaper game for a bit as well, and she's just so talented. Um, so. They, yeah, we're we're really fortunate we've gotten. Well, I think it's now the passion. It, like you were saying, it's now secure, mm. you know, because there was a kind of a rocky period, you know. There's that yep. initial burst of enthusiasm and it kind of tailed off, and I think it's now at a point where it's doing very, very healthily, yeah. particularly with digital subscriptions. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the future of the newspaper industry mm. is is really digital. So. So I think the national's going to be here for quite some time. Yeah, it's, and I'm always—I really hope it is because I just—it's—it's it's hard imagining. I know I'm partly—I do help with the even times now these days as well. But 
Um, it's weird imagining working full time at a paper which doesn't have this connection with his readers, you know, because you know, you just you feel so on a level with your readers because you're all aiming for the same thing. You're very, you know, we're as passionate about independence as as our readers, so it's 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 really nice. I get some mental stuff not long after the paper started. I mean, seeing people on social media, there was a guy actually blocked him on Twitter just because. He said it was a black ops operation by British intelligence. <laughs> no, 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 there's no. this kind of mad paranoia <laughs> that you go away, God save. <laughs> no, no. But I think I mean the national. I don't know of any other newspaper that does like roadshow events. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and obviously I, I speak at a lot of those. You know, along with Callum or, or Richard. And that's been fantastic because we're all over the country. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You know, and the length and breadth of Scotland. We're still waiting, by the way, for anybody in the Western Isles or Shetland. Mm-hmm. We're really keen to go to the Western Isles or Shetland, so please get in touch. Um, but yeah, and in January, the next one, we're not, we're not doing another one until January the 7th, and it's in the East End of Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> where nice I live, where easy. I'm from. Nice so I'm really pleased about that. Yeah. Because don't get me wrong, I really enjoy. You know, bless you. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was jumping at this point and say as well with the road Went to sneeze. <laughs> yeah. uh, with the road shows, is like I just—it's not just that William Paper does them. I don't think any other paper could do them to the scale that we do them as well. It's because people again they feel so. I mean, it's there. It's, it's very much the reader's paper. Right. Uh, that, I, what I was just about to say before I started sneezing yeah. um, was that I really enjoy. Travelling to different parts of Scotland mm. to do these events, it's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity because you get to see parts of Scotland that you would never otherwise think to visit. Mm. And you meet some amazing, talented, enthusiastic people that are really the the backbone of this movement. But I'm really delighted that I'm doing one in my own, mm. my own part <laughs> of the world. <laughs> it's also because it means I can just go straight home afterwards. It's only like five minutes down the road. You know, so that'll be nice instead of a four-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about momentum for independence and the yes movement and all that, we've also had um, a poll out. Yeah, that was a good link. Thank you so much. That was a good link. <laughs> um, we have had a, a 50-50 poll. Yes, a 50-50 poll from Ipsos Mori, yeah, I, I think, think it was, was yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for STV. What did you make of that? Yeah, well, I think it's that we're now getting to the point where 50% is normal. You know, whereas you know, just two years ago we'd have bitten your hand off yeah. for fifty percent of an opinion poll, and now it's like fifty oh, percent. And you see snide comments from opponents. Like, you should be doing so much better. <laughs> and it's like what well, you're saying that you think the British state is so crap. You know, that's what you're saying. They're right. But yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we will start to do a lot better because I think Boris Johnson is going to win this election yeah. in the south. Mm-hmm. Um, not in Scotland, obviously, and I think that, and he'll take us out of the EU, and I think that will concentrate a lot of minds, and I think we will start to see. This is my prediction for twenty twenty. No, Pro- waiting to be proved wrong yet again, as I always am. Uh, but my prediction for twenty twenty is that we will start to see consistent majorities for independence and opinion polls because of Boris Johnson and Brexit, and that's the kind of. That will give the Scottish government, I think, the confidence to be more assertive in demanding an independence referendum. Because I mean, that big, the, one of the big polls that came out last week as well, which I think it was the YouGov one. Yeah, it was. The, uh, there's some weird. Yeah. Way that they'd done it, I and think. it was it was very anticipated because that was the polling method that calculated the last election, Aye. which came as a bit of a shock to people, and it predicted a 
Tory majority of 68 or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Yeah. I mean, if that happened, I just... <laughs> and it predict, but also predicted uh, 43 seats. That was 43. SNP. And then there was another poll with 48. 48, but that was a Scottish poll, mm-hmm. was the one that was 48 mm-hmm. for the SNP. So, I don't know, you see, I think the problem is that there's just... And I think this is what the, the, the YouGov poll was trying to do, was to... Because British, British elections are decided by lots of local contests... Mm. as opposed to what traditional polling does is it has a poll of the whole country and then they extrapolate that as a, as a you know, uh, if there was that in every seat kind mm. of a thing and, and that doesn't always work that way because you have local factors and local contests. I think this time around especially because there have been so many candidates who have resigned or well, been yeah, suspended. Yeah, been, or I mean, every single party now, I mm-hmm. think, has had, well, apart from the Lib Dems, I think, has suspended a candidate. So the most recent one was the one in Glen Rothes for the SNP yesterday because of allegations of anti-Semitism, which we don't really know much about. But that's quite bad because it's that's a seat that the SNP should have taken. And that's Labour, kind of just. It's Leslie Laird's seat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sac- Shadow Secretary of State for Scotland. Mm-hmm. So, but of course, he's still going to figure on the ballot paper. Uh, it's too late to take him off the ballot. The SNP are no longer campaigning for him. Um, it's still possible that he could take the seat, mm-hmm. you know, because he'll still be on the ballot paper, and people locally who support independence, well, they have to vote for somebody, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and there's a similar situation when the Glasgow constituencies with Tory candidate. Yep. Because uh, of Islamophobia, suspended over Islamophobia uh, allegations. That was in Glasgow Central, I think. It was Glasgow, it was, it was Glasgow Central, wasn't it? Forest mm-hmm. Garabello. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff, though. This is happening all over the country, and that's something that polling maybe doesn't account for. But also because I think that's a reflection of the age that we live in. Mm. That, you know, it's, it's what you're always saying to teenagers, you know, like, whatever you post on the internet yeah. stays there. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's catching these folk out very often are things that they posted in a forum or Facebook or Twitter many years ago. You know, possibly before they were considering running for politics. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there are questions about how legitimate it is to drag things up that someone said ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Boris Johnson, in which case it's fair game. <laughs> uh, how, how legitimate it is to drag things yeah. up that you said ten years ago when you were maybe sixteen or seventeen and a bit daft because we all do daft things when we're teenagers, you know, and then use that against them, you know. And as I think that's an important conversation that we've not really had. Yeah, there's the scope for change. Yeah. You know, I think our movement understands that more than anyone, obviously, because well, we exactly. need to win people over. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Also because I think we are held to a higher degree of mm. scrutiny and higher standards are applied to the Yes movement than to opponents of independence as well. You know, there's a definite double standard well, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, just this week um, there was two SNP offices in Lanarkshire which were vandalised you know and it didn't make a, a lot of news but if that had been you know a Tory office or a Labour Party office I'm sure it would have been you know top billing in yeah. SM, the SNP bad news <laughs> <laughs> and I mean and the, uh, there was talk of maybe the main coordinator or something even there was suggestions of that or, and yeah you, you think that would happen. That'd be in the UK news if it had been yeah. a prize. But no. 
But the opinion polls are looking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, the only poll that counts is the one on the twelfth. Yes. Less than two weeks. No ago. overconfidence allowed. No yeah. complacency. So we have to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's okay. You know, people. Some people have reservations about the SNP. That's fine. They're an imperfect vehicle, but it's the only vehicle that we've got, and we have to get across this bridge. You know, of this general election. Mm-hmm. And less than two weeks and the only way that we can assure that we have a chance a fighting chance of getting an independence referendum is to make sure that the SNP do really well because if they don't it won't be the the narrative in the press won't be oh well people were unhappy with Nicola Sturgeon's strategy for getting another independence referendum or or any other topic It, it will be Scotland doesn't want another independence referendum that's what the papers will say so it's vitally important that we get up and we go and vote and I've been going out to a few canvassing things. I was out yes, uh, earlier this week. I went to uh, Eastern Barnshire. Got some friends there. Um, I'm speaking tomorrow at uh, Mary Black's adoption night. I was at um, Anne McLaughlin's adoption party on Saturday last week. And what I'm hearing from people who are actually canvassing and campaigning is that it feels very different on the ground from 2017. The the independence vote is motivated in a way that it wasn't back then. And that's what did us in in 2017, that the pro-independence vote didn't vote. Mm -hmm. And that let in the Tories and that let in Labour. And I think this time... It looks as though, fingers crossed and touch wood, you know, that the independence vote is motivated to get out and vote. And it's really important that people do. We really have to we really have to send a strong message to Westminster that you can, you, you can stick your Brexit where the sun don't shine. It's not far away either now. Yeah. It's very close today. But I'm really I'm the closer we get to Poland Day, the more convinced I am that, that people south of the border are just are voting to cut their own throats mm. really it and it fills me with intense sadness and I'm just glad that Scotland hasn't escaped it but it's just it just depresses me that it's going to come at the extent of just so much damage and harm being done you know Jeremy Corbyn this week released you know a, 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 a leaked document which said that the Conservatives were indeed uh, negotiating about drug prices with American corporations mm-hmm. after Brexit. The Tories have denied that the NHS is up for sale, but, you know, as we all know, Boris Johnson's a big fat liar. He can't exactly be trusted. No, he can't trust that man as far as you can throw him. So it's not looking good, you know, and it just... Sometimes it's just... it. it you feel that people have to learn the hard way. And I really wish that didn't have to be the case, you know, because I really, 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 really don't want a Conservative government. I've been there before with governments, Tory governments with large majorities, and this lot really are worse than Thatcher. You know, they don't, they're don't; they not taking us out of the EU to in order to, to improve our public services and, and protect our employment and social rights, these people, you know. And it... I just don't get why so many people don't understand that simple point. Mm-hmm. You know? Started with the BBC. I'll just finish them as well briefly. You mentioned uh, kind of I think the importance of this election. Really, uh, one that might have went slightly under the radar last week was uh, the BBC Instagram account 
had a really nice little story going on, which was uh, so it's just like a series of pictures. If you uh-huh. with Instagram, which is politics can be a bit meh. It's been a lot of blah. What's more important to you than politics? Tell us. And that was hours before the voter registration deadline. So the BBC, before the voter registration deadline on Instagram, a platform very popular with young people, was saying politics is a bit, bit dull, uh, isn't it? Yeah, we yeah. Don't really care. It's more important than politics. Oh, God. So, life's an important election. Having said that, though, apparently there was record registration mm-hmm. before, and particularly amongst young people. So that's a good sign. It's a really good sign. Because a lot of these people wouldn't have been accessible to polling, mm-hmm. I think. So, we shall see. And we shall see any other good news to share this week or upcoming Yeah, news? we've got some, um, on a personal note, mm-hmm. I've got some very good news. My husband has finally been granted his visa. Congratulations. So, uh-huh. And uh, I would like to give a big personal thank you to all those nasty, vicious unionist trolls on social media who tried to report us to the Home Office when I did my crowdfunder last year uh-huh. saying this is outrageous because we did actually use that as supplementary evidence of proof that we were in a genuine relationship <laughs> I, I remember that at the time that's sub- really funny I submitted that to the lawyer we had printed it off and I gave it to the lawyer and she laughed <laughs> because they were talking about this man's husband uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, lo- that's I mean that's just beautiful that's so poetic it, it was, it was uh, yeah so yeah they were so thank you very much thank you unionists thank you unionists <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's got his visa um, and he's arriving in two weeks time mm-hmm. so, so we're going to have Christmas and New Year here in so Scotland fantastic. Uh, obvi- the, the way it works with these I mean uh, you sort of tell yourself, like, logically and rationally that you've met the criteria, you've ticked all the boxes. Of course they're going to give it to you. Mm. But then you remember that you're dealing with such a deeply dysfunctional organisation. Yeah. And on Monday, which was actually the day he got his visa, uh, but because of the time difference, it was in the evening before... I found, it was late evening before I found out um, when he got back from his work. Uh, it was, like, 11 o'clock at night our time. Mm. And uh, that earlier that day, I was reading an article in The Guardian about a Jamaican guy who'd got a letter from the Home Office telling him that they were deporting him to Iraq. My God. You know? And it's just... And obviously what they'd done is they'd copied and pasted from somebody else's mm-hmm. case notes. And, but those kind of really basic mistakes, mm-hmm. the, the Home Office does that all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's one at least where it's egregious enough that you can spot it. Exactly. It could have easily yeah. been something way more subtle that you just yeah. take as... Take yeah, exactly. You so. know, and that's... So you, remem- yeah, you remind yourself you're dealing with a really dysfunctional organisation mm-hmm. and you go, oh my God, oh my God. You know, I mean, we're luckier than a lot of people, Peter and I, because we did meet the criteria, the really pointless criteria, you know. You have to prove that your income is above a certain level before you're allowed to bring in a foreign spouse. But despite that, it says on his visa, no recourse to public funds. So he's not allowed to have... Rec- he, he can't claim unemployment benefit or anything like that, you know? Uh, we had to pay a £1,200 supplement to give him the right to register with the NHS, so he can use that. But, I mean, I know families that are separated because, you know, a, a woman who's got a kid and there's... A, an extra £2,000, I think it is, per year, per child, above the normal level, which is £18,600 a year. So it doesn't take you long before you mm-hmm. get to the, the average wage. Mm-hmm. 
and she, because she has a kid to look after, she doesn't earn enough to bring her husband. Her child's father is in a different country and isn't allowed to come and live in the United Kingdom with his family, mm. with his child and with his wife. You know, and it's just outrageous because, like, you know, I said, they don't have recourse to public funds anyway. So why are you imposing this limit, mm -hmm. this financial limit, you know, when they don't have recourse to public funds? And it's just vindictive. It was Theresa May that introduced that. There's a surprise. And yep. Because of the Daily Mail mounted a campaign about immigrants. You know, and it's just dog whistle racism mm -hmm. is what it is. But luckily, you know, myself and my husband, we, we, we've made the criteria. He's coming into the country. Um, I did actually have to write a cover letter uh, along with it, and, and I did mention that, you know, that at a wedding reception, like, there was a couple of newspaper editors. <laughs> 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 so, like, you know, so so if you turn this visa down, these people You're will gonna want get to know it. <laughs> Actually, Callum was a bit disappointed. <laughs> that I got, he got, Peter got his visa because he was, he was getting all G'd up and ready to do a, you know, get the wee ginger mm, nice little visa splash campaign, there. Oh, you know. mate, that would have been something. Yeah, that would have been really good for the paper. That would be plenty <laughs> bad for us, though. <laughs> Aye. So, yeah, so Sweet. 16th he's coming over, mm. um, having Christmas and New Year here. Uh, he has to get to Scotland within 30 days of getting the letter. So he's booked his flight now, it's all sorted. And then once he's here within 10 days of arriving, he has to collect his residency permit. Um, and then sometime in January, probably, we're going back to Connecticut. Uh, to pack up all his stuff that he can't fit in a suitcase to take on an airplane. Mm. So stuff that we're going to get shipped over for him, like his bikes and all his computer stuff and loads and loads of computer games and things. It's a happy Christmas story. So, yeah. so I'm very pleased. So it's good news all around. It's festive, yeah. very festive. And um, I think really that's us for that this week. It's us for this week. Yep. And uh, no doubt we'll be back next week more complaining about Boris Johnson and... <laughs> Probably another three debates he skipped or something. Yeah, probably. We'll see probably. us. We'll see us next week. Or something outrageous. I mean, that was one of the things, the outrageous things that came to light this week about what he did. Uh, he, he wrote an article in the, I think it was in the the, the Telegraph mm -hmm. about single mothers and you know how it was outrageous that these mothers have children have children without and the father's not involved and then they're comp they're claiming money off the state while he was having an affair <laughs> and siring children that he would take responsibility for. It's Pete Morris, isn't it? I mean, that's, there's the character of the man that some <laughs> people want as Prime Minister. The Prime Minister, yeah. The future Prime Minister, everyone. Just, my God. <laughs> and if somebody did actually ask him the other day, by the way, how many children do you have? Did he answer? No. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Oh, I don't think the country wants to know that. Yeah, we do, but <laughs> Well, it's not so much that we want to know how many children we've got. We want to see you squirm That's when you want to answer it. the question, you know. That's what we want. Yeah. So, yep. So, and on that note... Till next week. Till next week. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.